Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Sunday to one and all. Welcome into the Vivid Seat Studios from Moby Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you with another great podcast. And one person that is going to be making this podcast so great, our good buddy Jake Asman out there with SB Nation Radio, which as you guys know, based out in Houston, Texas. We're going to be talking to him about the Houston Astros, who, as I'm doing this podcast, just wrapped up a win over the Tampa Bay Rays. We're going to be recapping that in a minute, but going to be fun to talk to him about if any team could knock off the Houston Astros. We're going to be looking at all these series and just a little bit of offseason hubbub in general and where Garrett Cole might be landing. So that'll be fun. In the final segment, I give you a side in total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board and a couple for Monday as well as we We've got a couple lines there in something I like to call Touch Them All. This is always a part of the podcast where I like to answer your Twitter questions. Always feel free to tweet those into the timeline at GNRSquirty1. As a friendly reminder, please do not DM them because if you DM them, it is much like you trying to get a date with Ariana Grande. It's just a prayer that's not going to be answered. Meanwhile, if you send it into the timeline, well, you've got yourself a shot just like you at the bar. So... Always send those into the time I did not get in any today. So we go right into the recap of yesterday's results and we take a look at the playoff picture in general as a result and some of the trends. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. How about what we just saw out in Houston? The Astros get a 3-1 to win. Garrett Cole in this one. 
not just good, not just great, absolutely masterful. This is a guy that winds up going a grand total of seven and two-thirds innings, gives up four hits, no earned runs, 15 strikeouts. Roberto Ozuna was called upon for a four-inning save, but he only got two outs as he wound up giving up two walks and two hits in his stint. He gave up the lone run of the game, and then Will Harris had to put out the fire with the final two outs of the game for the Houston Astros. The scoring got started in the fourth inning in this one with Alex Bregman hitting a home run. Alex Bregman obviously cannot help out his MVP cause with these home runs since that is done at the regular season, but by and large, he has been good. And for the Houston Astros, just a lot of missed opportunities in general. 2 of 12 with men in scoring position. They leave 8 men on base, but they were able to scratch across a run in the 7th and 8th innings, which became significant because for the Tampa Bay Rays, they were able to get some men on base late in the game, but they wound up going 0 for 4 with men in scoring position, leaving 7 men on base. So now they have a grand total of 3 runs over the course of 18 innings. That'll happen when you face off against Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole as they now have to return to Tampa Bay to face a must-win situation. And for Blake Sell, he wound up getting the start in this one. Three and a third innings. He gave up that home run to Alex Bregman, and then he was pulled from the game. And the bullpen of the Tampa Bay Rays continues to be very good, but the fielding for the Tampa Bay Rays once again commits a bad error. It was William Adamas committing an error in this one. You saw Brandon Lowe on Friday miss a pop-up, so it's one of these situations where the Rays been a little bit sloppy out there in the field as the bullpen winds up going four and two-thirds innings. They give up two runs, but only one of which were earned. Considering they're playing against the Houston Astros, that's pretty stinking good as the Astros now have a 2-0 to series lead in this one. And the other series out there in the American League, also 2-0 to as the New York Yankees wind up knocking off the Minnesota Twins by a count of 8-2. to So now this series goes back to Minnesota with the Yankees up by a count of 2-0. to And if you want to be able to attend that game, the Astros game, or any other of the MLB postseason games, maybe more of your fancy is the NFL, college basketball, you're able to get tickets to all those events thanks to Vivid Seats. And if you type in the promo code OVERTIME to the Vivid Seats app and you are a first-time customer, you're able to get up to $100 off of all tickets. That's the promo code OVERTIME. All one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. Whatever event your hearts desire, if you're a first-time customer, you're able to get $100 off of all of it. And Vivid Seats has tickets, everything that you like, including what's going to be an exciting Game 3 is it's going to be Luis Severino going for the Yankees and Jake Odorizzi for the Twins. As For the Twins, I think that Jake Odorizzi is going to be able to deliver a better start than Randy Dobnik. He winds up going two innings in this one, gives up four runs, all of which were earned. For reference, Randy Dobnik had not given up more than two earned runs in any of his appearances during the regular season. And the bullpen from there just really imploded. It was Ty Duffy giving up four runs over the course of two-thirds of an inning as the Yankees were able to do all their damage early. They get one run in the first inning, a touchdown in the third, and then from there, things died down a little bit. You may want to note that the Yankees played right around 56% of their home games to the under, but that was not the case in this one. As for the New York Yankees, it helps it over when you get a grand slam, and that's exactly what Didi Gregorius was able to provide. And Masahiro Tanaka, he has been a very good postseason pitcher for them throughout his years, and he goes five innings in this one, giving up one run. And then you had Tommy Canely, Adam Adovino, Jonathan Luizaga, a little bit of an interesting name there, and also Tyler Lyons, 
being able to provide an ending each out of the bullpen. The Lions again wound up giving up a run, but they were able to save Zach Britton and Roldis Chapman. So very good on the Yankees there. And for the New York Yankees, they went 5-11 with Ben in scoring position. And for the Minnesota Twins, really their biggest form of offense was Luis Arreyes being able to provide two doubles. They were not able to get a home run in this one. One of seven with Ben in scoring position. And with those two results, you now have favorites in the postseason thus far going 6-4. and four. As for the totals, you've now seen six unders and four overs in the postseason. And what's interesting is the NLDS currently has a pair of one and one series. Meanwhile, the two favorites in the ALDS so far have taken advantage of home field being able to win both of those. So, going to be very interesting to see how the postseason plays out and being able to lend us some more analysis on this along with whether or not any team can take down the juggernaut that is the Houston Astros. It's our man, Jake Asman of SB Nation Radio, and he's coming up next right here on MLB Overtime Night. Greg is phoning a friend and going out to the Azunia Hotline. And we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peters to coming at you from the Vivid Seed Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. It is always great to have on our next guest. This is a man that has joined me throughout the season, and he does a variety of different things. He is a tremendous reporter for ESPN 97.5 out in the lovely city of Houston. Does a little bit of everything from reporting on the Houston Texans and Hey, a team that's in the news right now, the Houston Astros. He is also the co-host of the main event, which you can hear on SB Nation Radio from 4 to 8 p.m. Eastern every weeknight. That is 1 to 5 p.m. Pacific time, and it is a tremendous show. And joining me is a tremendous man that you can follow on Twitter. His handle is at Jake Asman, and that is spelled with the last name A-S-M-A-N, as it is Jake Asman joining me today. How are you doing? Greg, I'm doing well. I appreciate a glorious introduction. It's always fun to be on with you. How's it going? It's great. Thank you. And you deserve a glorious introduction because you're right now following a glorious team, the Houston Astros. Now, truth be told, we're doing this while game two is still not yet concluded. But the Houston Astros have been so dominant, so dominant that going into game two, they were more than a $3 favorite in the playoffs, which I can never remember a playoff line being quite that big. Do you think that there's any team out there in the American League that could stop this team from getting to the World Series? Because even if the Yankees do make it to the AL Championship Series against the Houston Astros, I just don't think that they would have the firepower to be able to match up. I think the Yankees are the only team that can beat the Astros. I think the Astros would be a favorite in the series and they'd have home field, but the Yankees get through Minnesota, and obviously, you know, we'll see how the rest of the series goes. Game one was a lot of fun, but, you know, you still got to win and beat a Twins team that has a, a lethal offense when they're right. I think the Yankees could do it because people don't realize just how good the Yankees lineup is right now. Every single player in that lineup gives you a real at-bat. And what I mean by that is it's a, just a grind. And I look at game one with the Yankees as an example. Jose Barrios, he went out there, and even though the Yankees didn't score in the first or second inning in game one, they made him throw 48 pitches. So if there is a weakness for the Astros, it's that their bullpen really is a bit shaky. You don't trust it in a big playoff spot. Ryan Presley was great in the first half. Then he got hurt. Then he you know, pitched in game one and was a little shaky. I don't love Roberto Osuna as their closer. He wasn't good in the playoffs last year for them. So I think if there is a weakness, 
It's the fact that the Yankees could really work the count, drive up the pitch count, and try and get into that Astros bullpen. But obviously, if Verlander and Cole are dynamite and they're great, I don't know if anyone could beat them. But, you know, if you could get the Zach Ranke, who doesn't have great playoff numbers, and whoever Houston throws out there in a game four, I don't think it's crazy that the Yankees can make it a real series because what the Yankees do is they have the lineup, they're going to rely on that bullpen, and it just comes down to the starters for the Yankees. Can Paxton keep them in the game like he did in game one for them? How's Tanaka going to be in the playoffs? Well, he's got a 1.5 career postseason ERA entering game two. And obviously, Luis Severino, when he's right, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. So I think if any team could beat the Astros, it's the Yankees. But I do think whoever comes out of the American League is going to beat whoever they face in the World Series. I do agree with you. And you bring up the New York Yankees. They're right now in a series with the Minnesota Twins. And I think that it was a very good point that you bring up that everyone's giving them a professional at bat. Now, John Carlos Stanton swinging 3-0 in game one was a little bit ridiculous. But you've got him back in the fold. A lot of people forget that Edwin Encarnacion and Gary Sanchez were banged up. They are back in the lineup. And if the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees were to go toe-to-toe, what do you think would win out? A little bit more offense or defense? Because you've got that ultimate battle of opposites with the New York Yankees. Obviously, the pitching is not looking the best. Even James Paxson wound up giving up three runs in that game one win that the Yankees had, but they've got all that firepower and offense. Meanwhile, the Astros, obviously, they've got a lot of firepower. They actually scored the most runs per game of any team at home this year, but at the same time, you've got Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke, and Justin Verlander, perhaps one of the greatest re-added monsters that we've seen this millennium. Yeah, no doubt. I think when you look at the Yankee lineup, I mean, the Yankees had 39 players go on the injured list this year. This is the first time all season, game one of the playoffs, where they were able to throw out that lineup. And listen, when the Yankees are right and you're throwing out Gary Sanchez at the bottom of your lineup, Didi Gregorius is your eight hitter. Gio Urshela, who hit 320, is your nine hitter. You're as deep as any in the sport. So, yeah, you know, the Astros have Verlander and they have Cole. Verlander is as dominant as anyone in the playoffs. Cole will find out what he does. I mean, he had his moments last year where he was a bit shaky against Boston. And Granke does not have great playoff numbers. So, yeah, the Astros have the rotation, and when they're on, they're, they're pretty much tough to beat. But that requires them to be on. The Yankees have the advantage with the bullpen. And I really think you look at the lineup the Yankees present, it's a challenge one through nine, where if you could work a pitch count and get a pitch to hit, and you got to play three games and, you know, games three, four, and five of an ALCS in the Bronx. Houston didn't win a game at Yankee Stadium when they played in 2017. The key for the Yankees would be find a way to win game one or game two in Houston and then do damage at home in the Bronx because Yankee Stadium is just different in October. And I know the Red Sox won there last year, but they're used to playing in the Bronx. They're used to the big rivalry and playoff atmosphere. A team like the Twins isn't. You know, the Indians two years ago, they weren't. The A's last year in the wild card game. They couldn't handle it. Houston in the LCS in 2017 struggled. So there's a blueprint for the Yankees to win. I picked the Astros before the playoffs started to win the World Series, but I'm not going to sit here and be shocked if the Yankees pulled off because I think this Yankees team, there's something to be said for winning 103 games despite setting an MLB record for the most players ever on the injured list in the season. It's absolutely amazing what the Yankees has done as it's Jake Asman joining me right here on the podcast. And obviously we've been hitting on the American League a lot. How about the National League? And I just, I've been saying it for a while. The LA Dodgers seem to have a few chinks in the armor right now. We're going to be seeing on Sunday, Hunjin Ryu take the mound against Washington Nationals and Mad Max Scherzer, which 
I think is going to be so interesting because we saw Hunjin Ryu the last month and a half just not look like himself. Meanwhile, Max Scherzer actually threw an inning of relief in the team's game to win. So I'm not quite sure what to expect there. Max Scherzer looked good in that inning, but by and large, ever since he's come off the injury list, been a very ordinary pitcher with an ERA north of 4-5. This is just one of these games in which I think is going to be very fascinating and very telling for the National League playoff picture because at this point, I feel like the National League is actually quite open. I'm not sold on the Dodgers just getting a free pass to the World Series. I agree with you, and I loved what Davey Martinez did in Game 2, you know, bringing Scherzer out for the eighth inning. That's how you win in the playoffs, right? You change the way you play in the postseason than you did for 162 games in the regular season. You saw the Red Sox do it last year with Chris Sale. The Dodgers brought Kershaw out of the bullpen for Game 7 of the NLCS. We saw Kershaw even come out in Game 7 of the World Series a couple of years ago in relief against the Astros. So I have no issue with using a starter like that. If you're a team like the Nationals, you clearly have deficiencies with your bullpen. You could try and mask some of that issues by using a starter in relief. And listen, when a starter has their throw day, if you're only going to ask the starter to give you an inning, I think they could do it. Scherzer threw 15 pitches in that game, too. He's still going to be ready to go and pitch in a game three. So I have no issue with it. In fact, I like it. And I think if you're a team like the Nationals that have that deficiency, using a starting rotation that has Corbin, Scherzer, and Strasburg to your advantage in the back end, that's the right way to go about it. So I think we're going to see more of that moving forward. It is very interesting what the Nationals have been doing. Obviously, Steven Strasburg coming out of the bullpen for that wild card game, which broke my heart being a Milwaukee Brewers fan was very, very good of him. He was able to get his team to victory there. And I do think that the Atlanta Braves and the St. Louis Cardinals series is very interesting as well. We saw the Atlanta Braves be able to get up off the mat. They were able to shut out the St. Louis Cardinals winning that game. And we've got Adam Wainwright versus Mike Soroka for Sunday. The Atlanta Braves, a very slight favorite. And I feel like this is the biggest toss-up of a series that we're seeing out there because with the Atlanta Braves, you do have a good lineup with three guys with 36-plus home runs in Josh Allison, Freddie Freeman, and Ronald Acuna Jr. And meanwhile, for the St. Louis Cardinals, they don't necessarily have that offense, but they've got one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues and a guy in Adam Wainwright that has been absolutely tremendous at home this year. No, absolutely. I mean, Wainwright has been great, and he's got playoff experience in the big moments, of course, you know, going back a decade plus already. I picked the Braves before the series starts. I'm not going to change now, but I see it as a toss-up. The National League, to me, is way more wide open than the AL, where I just think we've been on a collision course for months with Yanks and Astros in the LCS, and we'll see if that ends up happening. But I just think the way the game is being played in the NL, it's wide open right now. There's not as much of a uh, talent disparity between the teams as there is in the American League. And I would not be shocked if St. Louis wins. And, you know, we just talked about the Nationals-Dodgers series, but the Nats pitching being what it is and the fact that the Dodgers maybe have some concerns with their bullpen and whatnot, I truly believe we could be looking at the NLCS that maybe has Nationals-Cardinals, right? And so I'm not going to be surprised at all out of who comes out of either of those National League Division series. Oh, I totally agree with you. And I just don't think that either of these teams that would be able to come out of the National League Championship Series, whether it be the Cardinals, whether it be the Nationals, the Dodgers even, I just don't think that any of these teams are going to be able to knock off the Houston Astros. It's one of these situations where right now we're across Vegas at best, you're finding the Houston Astros at 2-1 to one to win the World Series, if not a little bit lower. I'm seeing some plus 150s out there. And 
even though the price is so short. I just don't see a way in which that bet loses. I don't know about you, but right now the Houston Astros just seem head and shoulders above the Yankees. They seem head and shoulders above any team that the National League can present. And I think that this team is just on collision course to be able to win the World Series. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we said earlier. I think the Astros are the best team, but, you know, let's see how Garrett Cole pitches. Let's see how Zach Greinke does in a playoff setting. You know, like, there are some concerns I would have with Greinke, and right now the Astros don't have a fourth starter. Wade Miley was horrendous the last month of the season. Oh, gosh, yeah. Are they going to use Verlander on short rest? Are they going to use an opener? So, yeah, I think the Astros are the best team because of the rotation. But, you know, we saw the Phillies in 2011 get beat in the first round by the Cardinals, and they had maybe the best rotation ever. We saw the Atlanta Braves lose to the Yankees in 96 and 99. We've seen great rotations not win the whole thing before. So I think what makes the Astros so good is they have a great lineup, too. And they have, you know, a bullpen that's solid, but I think there is some weaknesses there. So, We'll see. I mean, as good as the Astros are, it's tough when everyone says you're just going to win, right? So you have that pressure. Like, they're not the they're not the little engine that could. Like, maybe they were in 2017 when they surprised some people and came out of nowhere. They're expected to win, and that's not easy to do when you're expected greatness. So I agree with you. I think they're the favorites for sure, but the Yankees beat them. I'm telling you, I'm not going to be shocked. The Yankees have dealt with injuries all year. They're finally healthy, and I think it just comes down to, you know, can they get enough starting pitching and get it to their bullpen where the Yankees have a big advantage in that bullpen? And it's going to be very fascinating to see how Luis Severino does in Game 3 as well. So I do think that that's a very good point as well. And then just taking a look at baseball in general, we are seeing some managerial changes. Mickey Callaway. Oh, what a shock. He got fired by the New York Mets, but this is a team I think could really contend next year because they had the second best record after the All-Star break of any team out there in the big leagues. I think it was the LA Dodgers number one with regards to win percentage, and then the New York Mets were number two. I think that some of these managerial changes are really going to set the landscape for 2020. Does Joe Madden go over to the LA Angels? Who does the New York Mets hire because you're hearing a lot about Joe Girardi, Carlos Beltran being a little bit of a dark horse as well. I'm just fascinated to see what happens in free agency because we all remember the big bomber free agents that were getting $300 plus million in Manny Machado and also Bryce Harper. What's going to happen with Garrett Cole is right now on my mind as well. No doubt. Garrett Cole is going to make himself a lot of money, and I don't think it's going to be from the Astros. I think part of the reason why they went out there and they traded for Zach Greinke is because they realized they're probably going to lose Garrett Cole in free agency. The Astros don't want to go over the luxury tax. Signing Cole would put them over that tax. Jose Altuve's big extension kicks in this upcoming year. Bregman's salary from his extension goes up this upcoming year. So they have a lot of mouths to feed there, and that's why this is the window for the Astros right now. They're going to be good again next year, but I don't think they're going to have the same rotation next year. They will get Lance McCullers back, so that can make up for losing Garrett Cole. But Cole's had one of the best seasons in the modern era. That's how dominant he's been this year for Houston. So I think he's the biggest fish on the market. I think the Yankees are going to be involved. They could certainly use another lockdown starter. I think the Angels should be involved and try and you know put a team around Mike Trout so we could see him in the playoffs for once. And I really believe that Garrett Cole's going to be able to ask for basically whatever he wants. Start with the David Price contract and and then go from there. So. Yeah, Cole's an interesting storyline. And then obviously, are the Mets going to spend some money and get Joe Girardi to be their manager or, you know, Buck Showalter? I think Joe Madden's going to end up with the Angels, but the Mets need to upgrade a manager. They're a good baseball team. They won 86 games. They have the rotation. They have a lineup with Alonzo, McNeil, Conforto, Rosario. 
good players in it. They are a few moves away in their bullpen and a competent manager for being a playoff team next year. So certainly the Met fans, they all want Joe Girardi. I don't blame them. I think it'd be a great fit. I don't blame them either. And what the good listeners of MLB Overtime Betting want is more shows to be able to listen to. And if you need a great show to listen to, how about the main event on SB Nation Radio hosted by Jake Asman, who's joining me right now. And Jake... Let the good people at home know what they can all expect from your show. It's on 4 to 8 p.m. Eastern, 1 to 5 p.m. Pacific every weekday. You do a tremendous job with it. You do great work out there with ESPN 97.5 as a reporter for them. And just give the good people at home a little bit of an elevator pitch on what you do in general because you've joined this podcast a lot and you always bring it whenever you join me. Yeah, so as you said, I host a daily show with my partner, Cody Stutes. We're on 4 to 8 Eastern on SB Nation Radio. You can listen on the SB Nation Radio app or SBNationRadio.com. We have a podcast for it. Just search the main event, and it will come up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to pods. However you listen to Greg's podcast, we're probably there as well. So we do a show every day. We talk baseball, football, basketball. We talk whatever's going on, whatever's topical, and We always like to have some fun. It's been a lot of fun. We've been doing it since July, since I got moved to afternoons, and we're going to keep it rolling. Terrific. Jake Asman always does a great job of being able to host and join this podcast. So big thanks to him for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And coming up next, we do give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board and a little something I like to call Punch Them All. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And a big thanks to Jake Asman of SB Nation Radio for joining me in the last segment as we're back here in the Vivid Seat Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Now it is that time of the podcast in which I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board, and we do so in a little something I like to call Touch Them All. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that any changes that are made to these plays are going to be listed up on my Twitter feed, at GNRSquarty1. With some of these plays, they are all locked in, good to go, bet on, everything like that. With some of these plays, we're in wait and see mode, waiting on lineup changes, line moves, everything like that. And for all of that, you're going to be able to catch it on my Twitter feed, at GNRSquarty1. Just two games on the board today. You will note that Game 3 of Twins versus Yankees has a lineup on it. We know the pitchers for Game 3 of Rays versus the Houston Astros as well, but we have no line there, so I'll give some brief thoughts on those two, but we're mainly going to hit the two games for today, and that starts with 9.55, 9.56 on the bank rotation. The Washington National play OC LA Dodgers. Hun Jin Ryu goes for the LA Dodgers. Mad Max Scherzer for the Washington Nationals. Your total on this game is 8. Across the board, the overjuice of minus 120 the unders even if you're looking at the LA Dodgers getting a plus price here that is anywhere between plus 105 and plus 110 if you're looking to lay it with the Washington Nationals that's anywhere between minus 115 and minus 122 I know that the brand name Mad Max Scherzer obviously sells and you got to feel like there's a lot of people on this team but we have seen a little bit of buyback on the Dodgers which is 
where I'm heading with this one. Hunjin Ryu certainly has not been himself the last, I would say, six weeks because this is a man that I remember on this podcast two months ago talking about the fact that he had like a 1.6 ERA. Now, by and large, for the year, his walk rate being right around 1.2 to 1.3 walks per nine innings, absolutely masterful. But I do feel like he's starting to get a little bit of his powers back. He gave up three earned runs or fewer in all four of his starts in the month of September. But you do take a look at, even with those starts thrown into the mix, his last seven of the year, he just wasn't himself. The team went three and four in those starts. His ERA wound up being a 540, and he gave up seven home runs over the course of 40 innings. To put that into perspective, he gave up 10 home runs over his first 22 starts of the regular season, and entering into that stretch, he had an ERA of a 145. So this is a guy that has been absolutely masterful this year at times, but he certainly did get hit around a little bit late, but for Max Scherzer, ever since the All-Star break, this is a guy with an ERA of a 4.8, and we saw it early on in that game against the Milwaukee Brewers. He got lit up for a pair of home runs. He gave up three runs early, and if it wasn't for Steven Strasburg, Washington Nationals would not be in this spot right now. And by and large, Washington Nationals, who had the most runs per game of any team in the National League on the road, has not really been coming through so far. You do have Adam Eaton and Trey Turner, two guys that hit in the regular season above a 280. And Trey Turner wound up leading the league in regards to stolen bases last year. And then Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto both had 34-plus home runs on base of a 400 and over 105 RBI during the regular season. They were all good. Jan Gobes has been a little bit of an issue for the team along with guys like Matt Adams and Brian Dozier. All these guys hit a 240 or lower, but you do have Azrubal Cabrera who was able to do a very good job for the team ever since coming over to the Washington Nationals, hitting above a 300. Ryan Zimmerman hit right around a 250 for the year. And Howie Kendrick, who's only hitting a buck 43 for the playoffs during the regular season at a 340, but he did miss a lot of time during the regular season. Then you've got a guy in Victor Robles that hit right around a 250. And for the LA Dodgers, you do have a plethora of guys that are able to choose from. David Fries has been in and out of the lineup. You've got Jock Peterson and Max Muncy, two guys that, despite missing some time in the case of Max Muncy, hit for 30 plus home runs right around a 245 batting average for each. Will Smith got a home run every 12 or so at bats during the regular season. His batting average, though, over the last month or so has been dipping. A.J. Pollock has yet to get a hit in the postseason, but he, Chris Taylor, along with Corey Seager, all at right around a 250 to a 260 during the regular season. Justin Turner down for what is back, though. He hit right around a 290 during the regular season. Then you're able to bring in guys off the bench like a Matt Beattie. They're able to contribute. Gavin Lux, a very good prospect that has been showing his worth. And Cody Bellinger, gotta think that he's gonna be able to bust out of his slump, does not have a hit in the postseason for the year. He was able to give the team 46 home runs over 100 RBI, but you do want to note that after the All-Star break, he was really cooling down. So I do think that this is a situation in which you're going to see Mad Max Scherzer be a little bit better in this start, but what are the Washington Nationals going to do out there with the bullpen? Because Steven Strasburg obviously is not going to be able to come out of it, and now you have to rely upon the guys like Sean Doolittle, our good friend, Fernand Oh no! Rodney and guys of that ilk, I think that the Dodgers are going to be able to get to them, and that is why I'm going to be favoring the Dodgers in this spot. I am all aboard them, and with the LA Dodgers, this is a team that had the best ERA with regards to 
their bullpen over the last 30 days of the regular season, but I do think that we're going to see a couple more runs in this game. The Washington, a little bit more of a hitter-friendly ballpark than L.A., so for that reason, on the over and on the Dodgers that I've already locked in both of these plays. And then the other game on the Vegas betting board for Sunday is 957-958 as you've got the Atlanta Braves hitting the road face-off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Adam Wainwright goes for the cards. Meanwhile, Mike Soroka goes for the Atlanta Braves with this total. It is currently 8.5. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're looking at the Atlanta Braves across the board, laying anywhere between minus 115 and minus 119. Meanwhile, plus price here on the St. Louis Cardinals. Anywhere between even and plus 109. This is a game I broke down pretty thoroughly yesterday. Things have not changed. All aboard the Atlanta Braves and all aboard the under. I've already locked in the under. With the Atlanta Braves, I'm seeing a little bit of like minus 114, minus 113 offshore. So I'm right now in wait and see mode still. But this is a line that really hasn't moved a whole heck of a lot. And with the Atlanta Braves, I just think that when you've got a trio of guys in Josh Johnson, Ronald Cunha Jr., and Freddie Freeman that hit 36 plus home runs during the regular season, offense is going to be able to break out. Adam Wainwright, I noted it on the podcast yesterday, vastly different home to road. At home, he's got an ERA right around a 2-6. On the road, that ERA is north of a 6. But with Mike Soroka, you do want to note the fact that this guy has been very good on the road. I know that I had someone coming at me saying that Soroka is a 22-year-old that is going up against a wily veteran that has been in this spot many times at Adam Wainwright. But Adam Wainwright, just not the same pitcher now that he was in his early days. He's been pitching in the postseason since 2006. So obviously... It is one of those spots in which he has gotten up there in years. And you do want to note that with the St. Louis Cardinals over the last three days of the regular season, their bullpen ERA was just below a five. So they were actually one of the worst ERAs in that regard, the Atlanta Braves. After the trade deadline for the first couple weeks, they were struggling with guys like Shane Green and Mark Melanson struggling. And Mark Melanson certainly still struggling for this team. He's shown that in the postseason, but by and large, they have been doing a better job with their bullpen. And when you take a look at the splits of Mike Soroka that I was alluding to a little bit earlier, on the road, he's been pretty stinking good. 7-1 and record and a 155 ERA. And when you take a look at him on the road, he's giving up less than a half a home run per nine innings for the year, .7 home runs. All board the Atlanta Braves in this spot. With the St. Louis Cardinals, you just don't have a lot of offense in general. And they had won the top under percentages out there of any team in the big leagues with regards to their home games. Nearly 58% of their home games went under. This is because guys like Paul DeYoung, Marcel Zuna, and Paul Goldschmidt up between 29 and 33 home runs during the regular season. But out of those three guys, only Paul Goldschmidt hit above a 245. Now Colton Wong at a 365 after the All-Star break, but he's a guy that's been a little bit banged up. Tommy Edmond has been doing a good job of being able to get on base, but Dexter Fowler has seen his batting average dip very much so in the last couple weeks. Harrison Bader has been a hot mess all year long. You don't know what you're going to get night to night out of Matt Carpenter and Yadier Molina getting up there in years. His batting average has been declining as well. So Atlanta Braves and the under of the play here. Wait and see about on the Braves have already locked in the under. And then when you take a look at the games for Monday, we know who the pitchers are going to be in 905-906. That'd be the Houston Astros on the road against the Tampa Bay Rays. Charlie Morton go for the Rays. Meanwhile, Zach Granke on the bump for the Houston Astros. We right now have no line, but I do like Charlie Morton in the spot. Charlie Morton has been doing just a terrific job all year long, and I alluded to it a little bit earlier. Charlie Morton is a guy that has pitched for the Houston Astros, so he does know these guys. He knows exactly what he's going to be going up against now. Obviously, there are a couple guys that he really probably did not face as much like a Michael Brandt. Brantley and a Jordan Alvarez, but 
Charlie Morton during the regular season, 16 and 6, 305 ERA. He delivered five scoreless innings in that. He delivered five innings, giving up one run against the Oakland A's in that wild card game as well. This is a guy that for the year is also one of the best strikeout artists out there in baseball. When you take a look at his K's per nine rate, that is hovering right around a 11, so he was terrific there. And he also does a great job of being able to limit the long ball. Gives up right around .7 home runs per nine innings. And when you take a look at what Charlie Morton has done at Tropicana Field, it's pretty darn good. 8-3 record, 259 ERA. He's given up seven home runs in a 104 innings, and he has been getting right around 12 strikeouts per nine innings whenever he's been at home. Does a great job of being able to limit the walks. Meanwhile, when you take a look at Zach Greinke, things have been going by and large well for him with the... Houston Astros, but it is one of these circumstances where he has given up more runs than the record may indicate. 8-1 record, 3.02 ERA, but he does a good job of being able to limit the long ball, giving up less than a home run per nine innings. And I will say, ever since he came over to the Houston Astros, the command has been terrific. He is giving up 1.3 walks per nine innings, but you take a look at the home and road splits for him. We all know that he has a little bit of an anxiety issue. He is actually a better pitcher on the road. 10-4 and four record, 264 ERA. Now this combines both his time with the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Houston Astros, but I think that that comes as a shock to a lot of people. And despite the fact that he doesn't get a whole bunch of strikeouts anymore, right around eight strikeouts per nine innings, he's been terrific. And we all know, all know about the Houston Astros. you got Gurriel along with Jose Altuve, George Springer, Michael Brantley, Jordan Alvarez, all guys that during the regular season had at least a 280 and all had 21 plus home runs. You've got Carlos Correa back at the fold, Robin Citrinos doing a nice job at the catcher spot and everything like that. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they were not able to muster much against Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. Actually, they really weren't able to muster anything at all, but you do have a guy in Austin Meadows that for the regular season was one of the more underrated players out there in the big leagues, 32 home runs. He was hitting right around 290. Yankee Andy Diaz being back in the fold is huge, and we saw that on full display when he was able to take Sean Manea twice in that wild card game. This is a guy that for the regular season had the second highest home run per at-bat rate on the Tampa Bay Rays. You then have guys like Tommy Pham and Avisio Garcia that were both able to hit right around 20 home runs along with Willie Adamas for Pham and Garcia. Two guys that hit right around a 272, 275 for Adamas. He hits more around a 252, a 255. Travis Arno is able to belt out some home runs. Brandon Lowe being back is big as well, though. He has certainly struggled out here in the postseason. And Kevin Kiermeyer has seen his batting average dip, and you need something out of G-Man Choi, a guy that has yet to get a hit in this postseason. But for the Tampa Bay Rays and the Houston Astros, they are both backed up by terrific bullpens as well. If you're seeing a total anywhere above a 7, I'm probably going to be taking this total under. I just think that we're going to see some lower scoring games. Even though the Tampa Bay Rays actually played more overs than unders at Tropicana this year, I thought that that was very interesting, but the Houston Astros don't belt out the runs the same way on the road as they do at home as well. So Early leans on this one are going to be the Tampa Bay Rays as long as you're getting a nice plus price and the under, but as always, check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at GNRSQuarty1 for that. And then with 907 7908 on the bang rotation. That is the New York Yankees on the road against the Minnesota Twins. Right now, we are seeing the Yankees as between a minus 135 and minus 138 favorite. Plus price here on the Twins, anywhere between plus 122 and plus 128. Total of nine, overs use of minus 115. The unders minus 105. Now, if this were Yankee Stadium, I'd be taking this total over, but Minnesota certainly plays a little bit different.
differently. You're not going to be able to get those cheap home runs because we saw that in game one when Miguel Sano and Nelson Cruz both hit home runs that went about 340 feet. Not going to be having that in target field. With Luis Severino, he's only made three starts, but in two of them, he was looking absolutely masterful. In his first two starts, a total of nine innings, gave up no earned runs. He got a little bit touched up in his last start of the regular season against the Texas Rangers, but by and large, this looks like the Luis Severino that we saw in the first half of the year before he was clearly a little bit injured and not himself the second half of 2018. Meanwhile, for Jake Odorizzi, he actually might be the most reliable starter that the Minnesota Twins have right now. We saw Kyle Gibson really hit the skids towards the end of the year. Jose Barrios certainly was not able to get the job done, and we all saw what Randy Dominic was trotting out there in game two. But for Jake Odorizzi, 15-7 and record, 351 ERA. The command with him is pretty good. He gives up three walks per nine innings, and he really upped his strikeout total. Before this year, he hadn't gotten more than... 9.3 strikeouts per nine innings at any season. This year, that was up to a 10.1, and he does a very good job of being able to pitch at home. When you take a look at his splits, he has been significantly better at home as compared to on the road, and this is a guy that he certainly had his struggles towards I would say the middle part of June into July, but his last couple starts were very good as you take a look at what he did in the months of August through September. Did not give up more than three earned runs in any of those starts, and then when you take a look at what he able to do at home for the year he went seven and three 342 era does a good job of being able to limit the damage he gave up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings whenever he was at home and interestingly enough on the road he actually has very similar splits so he does a very good job both at home and on the road but at home he certainly gets a couple more strikeouts so you do want to note that and with the Minnesota Twins we've seen the bullpen really falter for this team in this series meanwhile the New York Yankees with Tommy Canely, Zach Britton, Aroldis Chapman and Adam Adovino their bullpen is very stout I do think that the Minnesota Twins are going to be able to get to Jake are going to be able to get to Luis Severino, though. You've got Max Kepler and Nelson Cruz, two guys that had 35-plus home runs during the regular season. Jorge Palanco already has a home run in this series. Luis Arreyes had an on-base percentage above a 400 during the regular season as well, so he does a good job for them. And then you've got the other guys like your Jonathan Scope, CJ Crones, guys like that that have 20-plus home runs. They are all able to hit right around a 250. And then you can't forget about Mitch Garver and... Eddie Rosario, two guys that had 30-plus home runs and a batting average hovering between a 275 and a 285 during the regular season. But with the New York Yankees, this is a team that finally does have a full lineup. I thought that that was very well pointed out by Jake Asman. You now have guys like John Carlos Stanton along with Gary Sanchez and Edwin Encarnacion in the fold. A lot of these guys were missing throughout much of the season. You also have Glaber Torres firing on all cylinders during the regular season. He had 38 home runs. He has been just absolutely terrific for this team. Gio Rochelle and DJ LeMayu both hitting a 315 or greater during the regular season was nice as well. And Brett Gardner seems to be doing a better job with his bat as well, but I think that Jake Odorizzi is going to be able to deliver in a must-win game game for the Minnesota Twins, but I do think that the New York Yankees are going to be able to get into that bullpen just enough to be able to get this win, so for that reason, going to be going with the New York Yankees on the money line. 
I don't feel good about them being able to win by two plus. But I think that the bullpen of the Yankees going to be able to set them over the top in what I think is going to be maybe a little bit advantage with regards to the starting pitching for the Minnesota Twins, but by and large, a pretty even up matchup. So that's where I'm leaning on that one. And then when it comes to the other two games that are going to be taking place on Monday, 901-902, the Atlanta Braves and the St. Louis Cardinals, we don't know the starting pitchers not able to give you anything there. And for the Washington Nationals, they have yet to decide on a pitcher for game four, as we do know that it'll be Rich Hill. So I'll be giving analysis on the next edition of MLB Overtime Betting if we do have a line. And if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you ever have a question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it into the timeline at GNRSquarty1. And a big thanks to our man Jake Asman of SB Nation Radio for joining me in the second segment of this podcast. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk with you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.